I entitled our message tonight, The Ultimate Pandemic. This is The Ultimate Pandemic. Please turn your Bibles or your Bible apps to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 24. Let me begin reading. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, God, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But did God say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die? Verse 4, you will, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among trees, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this have you done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and, for, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. 
After he drove the man out, he placed the east side of the Garden of Eden, Cherubim, and the flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of God. Please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this evening that you have given to us once again for us to be able to gather virtually, for us to receive your message together despite the distance and the absence physically. We thank you for your blessings, our health, the food that we eat, our family that you have given us, the church family that you have chosen for us, and Lord, the life that you have given us and continue to give us. Like always, Lord God, we ask for your guidance by your Holy Spirit to teach us, to enlighten us, to open our hearts, to open our minds to your truth through your word. Bless my lips, Father God, and give me the words. Give me the wisdom. Let me say only what is true. And Lord, I humbly ask that you bless the message that I prepared. But at the same time, Lord God, I pray that you override it. Override it as you see fit. Let you and you alone speak to your people. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. And please reduce or remove any distraction that might hinder us from hearing you and listening to your words. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, good evening, folks. Uh, in this building, we currently have five. Now, last week, we uh, violated the, the rule 10. We had 14. So um, I, I, I thank the, the people for their cooperation, and I, I thank all of you for tuning in. I hope that tonight God will speak to you, as always, and that um, I, I, I know... That you can see the verses here, but at the same time, I'm really hoping that you're picking up your Bible. Um, I just want to say this up front. If you have been binging on Netflix and any other uh, episodes or series or movies while you're uh, being uh, at home and you haven't l lifted up the Bible and, and read it, um, I want to say that uh, you have until April 30 to turn that around. Okay, so I entitled, again, I entitled our message, The Ultimate Pandemic. That's our message, The Ultimate Pandemic. Uh, on March 11, the COVID-19 outbreak was ca characterized as a pandemic by the WHO. This is the first pandemic known to be caused by the emergence of a new coronavirus. In the past century, there have been four pandemics caused by the emergence of novel, novel, novel influenza viruses. So a pandemic means it's an outbreak, right? It's an outbreak. There's a widespread of a certain virus. And it's prevalent, it's pervasive, it's rampant. It's, uh, it's synonymous to uh, epidemic. It's universal, it's global. So all of that is true. We're the, this whole thing is just not being felt here in Reno. It's being felt by the whole world. I know it did start in China. And then, and then it's now all over the world. And we're all feeling it. We're all feeling this, this pandemic. Um, but tonight I wanted us to, I entitled this the ultimate pandemic because there has been a pandemic or there's a, there has been maybe a virus is, is a very small um, thing to call it. But there's something that's been spreading and, 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 and causing mankind sickness and, and 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 the ultimate thing is just death and that's sin 
the sin is the ultimate pandemic. And we just read in the Garden of Eden, and we're going to try to uh, expose that and, and study that even more. So tonight, we have three points tonight, basing it on what we read in Genesis. The first point is we're going to discuss about the enemy, which is Satan. And the second point, we're going to be talking about sin, which is the problem. And then the third, we're going to be talking about cure and remedy, all in two hours. So we have plenty of time. Unless you got to go to work. <laughs> um, okay, first point is the enemy, Satan. Uh, there's three points here. I know we can start our own another series, another mini series on him. Because there's just so many things about him. But in, in, in the verses, in Genesis 3, verses 1 to 5, we see who he is, his purpose, and his desire. Okay? So those are the three things that we're going to try quickly. Uh, first verse that I have for you guys is in Isaiah 14. I know this might be too small for your iPhones right now or, or your cell phones. But this is the verse that we have here on the screen is Isaiah 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. Let me begin reading. How have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? This is, this is talking about Lucifer. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So state, Lucifer used to be an angel, and then he started a coup d'etat, he wanted to be like God, he was casted down. The next verse I'm, I'm reading is Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along, sown along the path. Again, Lucifer, Satan, is also called the evil one. This is in the parable of the, the, the seeds. And this is when Jesus, when Jesus said the evil one, he, was, he meant Satan. The next verse is John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus calls and says that Satan is only about stealing, killing, and destroying. And the last verse on that one is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, the explanation. Whether we're fully aware of it or not, Satan is our enemy. He opposes God and all of God's people. He is behind every evil scheme on this planet. Idolatry, cults, false religions. Still, he, desperate, he's still very desperate to be worshipped. He wants to destroy God's kingdom. And he knows his time is limited. To destroy God's kingdom, who does he destroy? He destroys us, his people. You know, if he's about killing and destroying, he has removed 
somehow our fellowship. I know, um, especially uh, us here in this church, we love to, to gather. We love fellowshipping with each other. We love to be together. And that's been taken away from us right now. But we have to comply to the government. And this is for our safety. So it's just okay. All right. So moving on. God's word. God's word, the Bible, has many more scriptures about who he is, who Satan is, and what he is about. Like I said, we can have a whole series about him. So he's a fallen angel. We saw that. Who wanted to be like God. And his coup, he had a coup attempt and it failed. It was casted down to the earth. He is the enemy. The evil one spoken by Jesus in the parable of the sower. And the third is his, his MO, his modus operandi, is to steal. Steal what? The joy. Steal the joy and the happiness of the believers. Steal the opportunity of the unbelievers to be saved. Steal the happiness of mankind. To make sure that the other people do not become believers of Jesus Christ so that they go to hell with him. To kill. To kill. As we have seen in the garden, he killed Adam and Eve. He killed Adam and Eve with the lie and the doubt that he casted upon Eve. He destroys. He destroys. You know, don't, don't let your hearts, it says here, don't let your eyes or hearts deceive you. The enemy Satan is not for your happiness. He is not for our happiness. He is not for our well-being. He is not after uh, for us to be satisfied and complete. He is out there to destroy us, to continue to destroy us, for us to continue to be unsatisfied, for us to continue to, to keep our, our eyes away from God, for us to keep our, our, our time away from our loved ones. It, he is there to destroy us. He, he gave all these things. Like he made, imagine what's happening with the world right now. Everything, I know we discussed about the idols last week, but he, he made all those other things, the idols, more important to everyone's life, only for it now to be taken away from them. And now everybody's panicking, anxiety, wor you know, they're, they're just worried. And he's enjoying himself. He's never for our peace. He's never for our happiness. He's never for our satisfaction. And the fourth, his ultimate goal, as we see in 2 Corinthians, his main purpose is to destroy the believers that are falling in love with God every day. His purpose is to shame the name of God. To shame God's testimony in our lives. His purpose is to cast doubt that God really didn't say. Remember in Genesis 3? Did God really say? Did God really mean? Surely he didn't mean. You know, that's, that's the crazy thing about, about Satan. About the lies of Satan. About the lies of the world. The, the enemy wants us to think that following God will make our lives boring. Now, following, our, following God's laws and God's commands will make our lives boring. That he is preventing happiness. He is keeping happiness away from us. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. Surely he didn't say. You know, the illustration here is like the coronavirus, right? The coronavirus and the ugliness and the scary thing about it 
the truth about this virus. It must be told to us by the authorities, by the people that are actually studying and have studied about it. The ugliness of it and the, 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 the heaviness of that topic must be discussed to us. And we must receive that. And the precautions that they are telling us to do, we must heed to it. Right? Now everybody is locked up in their house. Well, not really because, you know, there's really not a police guy roaming around and giving you a ticket if you violate that. But we're being told to stay in place as much as possible to stay indoors because it's for our own safety. It is not to harm us, but people, people, right? People are funny. People are funny because many years ago when we were told to exercise, there was a campaign by the government, right? I know Australia had the campaign. Us too, here in America, we had that campaign to, to go outside and exercise because, you know, obesity was rising and, and people were unhealthy. It's, the statistics show us that 74% of Americans were not healthy, were not exercising. So they had this main thing to go out and play, exercise. Nobody wanted to do it. Now everybody's told to stay indoors. What, what are people doing? <laughs> I see more people taking a walk now with their family and their dogs and in my neighborhood other than the other types. Because they're now told to stay indoors. And by golly, you know, the human nature is like, nobody's going to tell me what to do, right? That's probably what they're feeling. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know what, guys? Can you help me? Can you please turn on the lights and just remove this because it's really hurting my eye. <laughs> I don't know how long I can take it anymore. All right. Well, like I said, the ugliness or the scary truth about the coronavirus must be told by the authorities and that know what it is and, and what it does to the human body. That it infects the body. It gets the body sick. When a person is sick, it cannot enjoy life that's better. Thank you. And with the virus, it kills those who are already weak and sick. Right? That's, that's what we know so far about the coronavirus. So like Satan, his main objective is that. He wants us, he wants us to believe he wants us to believe that living away from God's will is the better thing. He wants us to think that, oh yeah, you don't have to be faithful in your in your marriage. You can have you can have you can be pre uh, you can have sex outside marriage because you need to be happy. You don't have to listen to your parents. They're making your life boring. You don't have to listen to the law. Just go out there, go to the grocery. Touch everybody, get yourself sick, or get some people sick. That's the objective, right? But here, in this verse, it says here, your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your sincere and devotion, pure devotion to Christ. Folks, we know, us believers, we know that we need to be living for Christ. We need to be living for Christ. We need to be acting like Christ. But like the world and the enemy, they're telling us, surely God did say. Surely God did say. And folks, it pays to know who your enemy is in a fight or when you're in a battle or in life in general. It pays to know who your enemy is. Because if they are your enemy, once you identify them, you know that everything that they tell you, everything that they, they, they somehow share with you, 
is not for your own good. There's something behind those things that will eventually hurt you. I'd ask for an amen, but we only have four. <laughs> We're, all right, all right, that's it. Second point, sin, the sin. Now, I'm going to be discussing, this is in Genesis, what we read, Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. Where that's what we're going to be discussing here, about sin. Um, do I have it there? Okay. We have on the screen is, is Romans. But I want to explain to you the biblical terminology of sin. Now, the biblical terminology of sin, the vast terminology within its biblical context suggests that sin has three aspects. Three aspects. One, disobedience. Two, or breach of law. Violation of relationships with people. And rebellion against God. Which is the most basic concept. The Bible typically describes sin negatively. It is lawlessness. It is disobedience. It's unbelief, it's distrust, it, it's darkness as opposed to light. A falling away as opposed to standing firm. Weakness, not strength. It is unrighteousness. It is faithlessness. That's the biblical terminology of sin. And as we read in Genesis 3, the first sin, which is as much as, is, as it is disobedience, because frankly, all sin is disobedience to God, and to his will, and to his ways. The first sin committed is similar to the devil when he was kicked out of heaven. It is The, the root is wanting to be like God. In what way? Wanting to be like God in determining what is right and what is wrong. No one is to tell us what to do. No one is to tell me what to do. If I want to go out, the government will not keep me inside. Now, when the government wants me to exercise, heck no, I'm going to be watching Netflix. Right? We have that rebellious side, that sinful nature in everyone. You know, people that are, are told to go to work, they're, they're complaining that go, go to work. The people that are told to stay at home, right? they're complaining that they're not working. They're never happy. If you, if you remember, uh, if, if any of you have flown, I, I know the Filipinos who came here, we all took that airplane ride, right? And then if you go to, I used to smoke before. And, um, you know, the, the plane ride from the Philippines or to the States and to the state and vice versa, it's quite a bit of a, a, a flight. So when I used to smoke, I, I was tempted to smoke in the bathroom. And then I went to the bathroom of the plane. And then the science, the science says there, you know, because there's a smoke detector. Obviously, there's no smoking sign. And the smoke detector says, do not touch, do not play with it, do not. And there's like so many other things that says that's similar to what it said in the beginning. To do not touch, do not tamper. Now, why did it have to elaborate all those do not things? But it just simply could have said, don't mess with this. Because us human beings, we're, we, we reason out. We keep making things up in order for us to get what we want. We keep reasoning. Just like, just like Satan, when he told Eve, surely God did say, surely you will not die. 
right? There's there's always that thing. In in essence, the devil was telling Eve, look, he's taking away your right to know what is good and evil. He's taking your right away from that. You know, if you're gonna look into what the, the world has become, it's all about that. It's all about determining what is right and what is wrong. And most of the society determines what is right and what is wrong based on what their peers tell them. It constantly changes. I know I shared this last week when, when the sexual revolution here in America was, was, uh, it was okay for some professors in some universities to sleep with their students. That was okay and it was acceptable during their time. But then when the society changed and it turned, now those professors who did that are being persecuted. You cannot have the society tell you what is right and what is wrong. The ultimate, the ultimate book, the moral compass should be, should be the Bible. It should be what God says. That should be the one that tells us what is right and what is wrong, whether we like it or not. In relation to, to the coronavirus, it's our government. It's our government that's telling us what is right and what is wrong to do. It's the, the medical experts, right? They have the knowledge. They have the right. We gave them that right to them. And they have studied. Those people have studied. They, they, they live for this thing. And if we are not going to listen to the experts and we're saying that, oh, never mind. I will not stay indoors. You know, I lived all the, the I, I lived this far. I've stood many viruses in my life. What is this coronavirus again? We have to comply. We have to comply with, 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 with the who, right? Is it, is it World Health Organization, right? With them and the medical experts. Now, to this verse here that I have, Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23. Romans 3.10-12, it reads, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless, there is no one who does good, not even one. Those verses are also in, that verse is also Psalm 14, 1 to 3, Psalm 53, 1 to 3, and Ecclesiastes 7 to 20. And in Romans 23, 323 reads, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now the righteousness, the righteous, as the Bible describes this, is, is not what people think what righteous is. We have the notion that righteousness is, is a goody two-shoes person. Somebody who doesn't, who doesn't break uh, um, anything. Doesn't always stops, does a full stop on a stop sign. Unlike me sometimes. And always follows a speed limit. Somebody that doesn't break the rules is what we think a, a righteous person is. But righteousness, as the Bible says, is somebody in right standing with God. Somebody that is right in right standing with God. And does Bible, Paul said here in Romans that there is no one that is in right standing with God. Not even one. And then he says, there is no one who understands and there is no one that seeks God. If you look at our society now, how many people have been following God more than, than their idols in life, Right? They have spent more money on their travels. They have spent more time studying other things, let's say, about their career, but less on the Bible. Even the nominal Christians. The nominal Christians are the ones that really bother me. 
The ones that proclaim that we are Christians, I'm a Christian, but then I could care less about reading the Bible. They don't say it that way, but they don't read and study their word. They don't even go to church. Now, like I said, I made fun of it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. If you are the Christian that keeps saying, that kept saying like, oh, you know, you can worship God anywhere. Well, there you go. <laughs> your prayers or your argument is now for you to feel. Right? Now, there's a place now for us to, to, to actually see that argument. Now, I agree. We are all worshiping God in our own comfort zones right now because of what the government has told us to do. But at the same time, there is that missing factor. If you are not together with your fellow believers, there is that big miss, right? There is that big miss in our hearts. And I've been with these five guys here uh, since, since yesterday, and I feel fulfilled. I know I told um, my wife uh, the first Sunday that something was really bothering me because of that first decision that we were going to shut down the church even before the government has told us. So I, I wasn't feeling happy about it, but until I came here to church, I, I had my fellowship with my brothers and my sisters, I did my, my calling, I felt complete. I was ready to go and face the uncertainty again from Monday to Saturday until Sunday again. So there's that fellowship. There's really that need for fellowship. There's really that need for us to be in, the, in one building that God has called us, to be in that body that God has chosen for us, for us to worship Him together. Right? There is that need. But then again, going back to this, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we, the human mankind, have all fallen into sin. We have to we we have the consequence of it too. We have acquired the coronavirus because sin, like the coronavirus, is is with the coronavirus you have to touch somebody or something that they touch, and then that that something has to go inside your body sin is it's by birth because of adam we inherited the sin so we too experience death because of sin right romans 3 23 for all have sinned everybody have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and here romans 3 genesis 3 21 to 24 and we read here this is the cure now this is the cure and the remedy for it but before that, I, I, why did I miss that? Okay, I think I missed it because I was I was running late. Still, go back to your Bibles, please, on Genesis. Go look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 11, 11 to 19. You will see here God giving the discipline for each party that has caused the fall. He has the consequence for the for Satan there. Then he has the consequence for the woman there. Then he has the consequence for Adam. God's perfect plan for us was that he provides everything in that garden. Adam was not working until here. Him doing anything wasn't a curse. It was actually a blessing until the until the fall. If you look at verse 17, it says, To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. See, God's perfect plan was everything was going to be fruitful. It's going to be easy. It wasn't going to be a struggle. 
You know, you, you know when you're doing something that you really love, you, you don't feel like you don't feel the the the, the challenge there. You, you do it with with you know with a smile because it's not challenging for you. And and you laugh especially for you guys who are are getting paid for doing what you love to do. You laugh on how much money you're making to do something that you really love. It's the same thing before the fall. I'm imagining that that Adam was was just enjoying tending to the plants, to the vegetables. He was just doing his thing and he wasn't he wasn't even tired. It never got him tired until the fall. You see, whenever you bring in sin, whenever you bring in sin to your marriage, to your life, to your family, something will go wrong and it will not feel right. When the virus comes in a healthy body, that healthy body, even though he never smoked, he never drank, he was always running, he was always exercising, always eating right, that body will get sick because of that virus. Because that virus is, that's, that's the purpose of that virus is to kill, to kill the host. Same with sin. When a person commits sin, and we all have fallen, when a person commits sin, there is that struggle so if you're if you're having challenges i gotta make fun of this right if you're having challenges in your marriage right now in your family because you are being quarantined and you're seeing each other 24 7 now <laughs> right there, you have to you have to understand you have to understand that this is god's way to let you guys re repair whatever differences it's to expose the differences that you guys have and to give you time to actually work it out. To actually, it's, it's time to work, uh, make you work it out. And for parents who are now seeing your, parent, or your children more than three hours in a day and have a longer conversation with them rather than seven minutes only, now it's, it's your chance and opportunity to truly understand who your children are and to actually really nurture them properly. Now there's a joke here where it says, you know, because of the coronavirus, because of the, the stay in place thing and the lockdown, crimes have went down tremendously. Like, I, I wish I had time to put it on the slide, but it has went, it had, it went down. I think Cherry posted this. Crimes went down, robberies went down, down to zero. But then the only thing that's been, uh, the, the 911 operator have been getting the calls from and the cops are domestic violence. The, our husband and wife's fighting. I don't know if that's funny, but I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. Just like the coronavirus, one person gets it, sin, Adam sinned, the whole mankind fell. Just like the coronavirus, one person gets it, pass it to another person because they're, you know, they, they didn't have the right protection and they put it in their, they touched their eye or their nose. They become, the person becomes a carrier of the virus and infects anything they touch anywhere their spit goes to. And, it, it, and, and, and if the, it enters another person's body and so on and so forth, the spread is notorious for this virus. It's something that we've never seen before. And the key for containment is that people to stay indoors to avoid the spread while the hospitals take care of the ones who are already infected. With the coronavirus, a cure or remedy is still 
to be found or discovered. I don't know if it's already there, if China has it. I don't know. But with sin, the ultimate pandemic, the killer of one's soul, the remedy and the cure, the payment has been given and done by the shedding of the blood. Here, if you missed it, if you already know it, praise God. Please share this to your friends that are now worried. But for, for us, for our study, let's, let's look at it again. Genesis 3, 21 and 24. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eve, Eden to work the ground which, for which, from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side the garden of Eden cherubim and the flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You know, the tree of life, it was in the garden. It was in the garden of Eden. And now it was now after the fall, God placed that, that sword there to, to protect it, that nobody will be able to eat that. You know, even for us believers, you know that there's that wrong feeling in our hearts, in our minds when somebody when someone dies, right? It, it could be it could be the pain that we've lost them. Even if they're Christians. There's still that pain of, of, of loss, right? And I, I'm imagining, because Anna and I have been talking about this, I'm, I'm, I've been imagining what if I die anytime soon because of this, this virus? What if I go? You know, there's, there's, there's that, even though I know where I'm going, there's still that, that certain worry, that uncertainty. What am I going to feel when I'm about to die? What am I going to be thinking when I'm about to die? What am I going to be doing when I'm about to die? There is that scared. There is that something. It, it, there is this feeling that it just doesn't sit well with us. Because you know why? Because we were created to live forever. We were created to live forever. It was because of the sin. It's because of the sin. That because of that, our bodies, this body will die. But praise God. Praise God, because He has given us the cure and the remedy when Jesus shed His blood on the cross. As we see here in the Garden of Eden, blood was shed. An animal was sacrificed. Blood was shed as payment for Adam and Eve's sin. And then they were given a covering. They were given a covering better than the covering that they came up with, which was leaves right, and, and figs, which was not perfect. And those were called, we're going to, I'm kind of tired. I don't know why I'm short, shortness of breath. Maybe I have the corona. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. What was I saying? The Lord God made garments. There's a thing that just keeps playing in my head. I might as well just say it. Sorry, folks. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, this usually happens to me. Um, during, when the fall, during the fall happened, right? And then God said, where are you? To Adam, remember? And then, and then he started blaming Eve. And then Eve started blaming Satan, right? It, 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 just look at your friends right now. Just look at your friends that are unbelievers, and they're passing the blame on everybody. 
they're passing blame on the government or there's lack of leadership. They should have told us this right away. Oh, why are they telling us to, to stay indoors? It should be stupid. Oh, why are those people, you know, they're, they're, they're just putting the blame on everybody other than just looking at themselves. What can I do about this? And the loud ones, the loud ones, the people with a lot of complaints are usually also going to violate certain rules. Like, you know, they're going to violate quarantine time. They're going to they're going to not stay in place. So I'm just saying that between Adam, Eve, and Satan, well, Eve, Adam, and Eve, they they blame Satan. Satan just kept quiet because he, the Satan had what he wanted. He got what he wanted. So again, going back on the death part, Jesus did what Jesus did on the cross is what God did here in the in the garden. The sacrifice, blood was shed as a sacrifice because that's the cure, that's the remedy for the sin of mankind. Now you guys all know this, right? Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Right? Satan said, surely you will not die. Surely you will not die. And what happened? They died. Adam lived 900 and something years, and Eve too, um, uh, less than, than Adam. But they died. So the enemy lies to us, and then we fall into sin because it becomes enticing, Right? Eve fell, the fruit became enticing to Eve when the word said, when the, when the enemy said, uh, you're going to be able to determine what is good from evil. So that's when, if you look at your verse again, that's when Eve, that's when the, the author said, the fruit looked enticing, right? And it looked delicious to Eve. Imagine that? Because Eve wanted to be like God. Just like men up to now. Our sin is wanting to be the one to determine what is good and from evil. Sin, unlike the coronavirus, guarantees eternal death. Because if you acquire the coronavirus and if you're healthy enough, you'll be able to fight it, hopefully. I know there's some healthy people that probably died and acquired it, but... It's not going to kill you for eternity. Sin, however, will kill you for eternity. Sin is a complete separation from God. And the only remedy, the only cure from that is shedding of the blood. And Jesus has done that. There's no more sacrifice to be made. After Jesus died on the cross, when he shed his blood there, when he exposed himself there, because crucifixion, remember the crucifixion is like, they took all, out all his clothes. He was completely exposed. He was completely exposed for your sins and mine. It wasn't even for him. So the ultimate sacrifice for the ultimate pandemic was made by Jesus. The payment, the cure for eternal death was given, just like it was given in the garden by God. I know we know this. John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8.9. Ephesians 2, right, guys? We know this, right? Yeah. I know Dustin has uh, Romans 12, right, and other things. But these are the verses that, um, that were shared to me by my wife. 
And these are the verses that spoke life to me. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His own his one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For the people that still go out there, even though we're told, you know, stay in place, you only go to the grocery, and if you go to the grocery, you know, if you have a mask, wear the mask. A face mask, right? A face mask is encouraged to be worn. Gloves, you know, anything to protect you at all times is for your protection and for the protection of the people that's around you. Just like when Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves with the fig trees, fig leaves, and, and it, that probably wasn't comfortable, right? It was not perfect. It was not acceptable to God. Right? Because they saw each other, they were naked, and they were ashamed. So they covered themselves. That's what sin does. When we sin, the enemy tricks us. He tricks us that he's saying that this is good. Just try it. Do it. You're going to enjoy yourself. I promise you. And then you fall into that sin, and then you feel shame. You feel ridiculous. You feel stupid. Why did I fall for that trap? Why did I do that again? And for those, who, for those of you who have not surrendered to Christ, you try to cover your sin by your good works. That is what re is represented by the fig trees and the leaves. Fig leaves, I keep saying trees. That is what re is represented by the good works of man. Our religion. Our religion or, or a set of rules that we continue to do uh, is that what saves us. What saves us is the shedding of the blood of Jesus. That if we accept that gift, the grace of God, God had to sacrifice an animal during Adam and Eve's time and all the way to the Old Testament because blood must be shed as payment and cure for the sin. And Jesus has already done that for us. Amen? Amen. You know, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to have the cure. I don't know when the is a, is it the cure or vaccine? I don't I don't know when this is gonna end. Um, we're hoping that the coronavirus pandemic will end soon, and that it won't take any more uh, lives, as it already has. You know, I know I read Psalm ninety one last last week, and in Psalm ninety one. And in other Psalms, God is always described as like a bird and he protects us by his wings, right? He always protects us by his wings because a mother bird, that's how he, she protects her, her chicks. Is, is they put, she puts them under her, her wings. So when it's raining, she covers them. They go under her wings and she covers them. And then when she does that, what happens to the mother bird? The bird gets wet, right? During the hot weather. For her to protect the chicks, she, they all have to go under her, her wings. She covers them and she takes the heat. She takes the heat and she takes the rain. Well, there was this, um, I don't know if you guys remember, it was uh, some years ago, the Yellowstone fires. The Yellowstone fires happened. There's a terrible, terrible fire, the Yellowstone National Park. 
And National Geographic write an interesting art, little article that talked about park rangers who went into the parts of the park that have been ravaged by the fire. After the fire to die down, and they and they were there were two park rangers. They were walking, and they saw this creepy sight, a creepy sight sight that turned out to be a bird. It was the mother bird that was still sitting upright in her nest, but she had been completely burned to a crisp. But she, but it was still there. The the, the figure is still there. She was as it was a corpse. See, she was shard, you know, charcoal. It was basically, she was basically ash. But she was sitting like, like, but she was sitting there like this, get out of completely upright. And it was very creepy. And it was very sad. So one of the park rangers just decided to knock it down and knock it over. And took a stick and knocked it over. And three little live chicks ran out from underneath. And they realized that the reason the chicks had lived was because when the, the fire came, the mother did her thing. She just sat there and she let the judgment, she let the fire come down on her. It's just like Jesus on the cross, you know? Just like Jesus on the cross. It wasn't his sin. But he did his thing. He let, he let these people take off his clothes, punch him, spit on him, make false accusations on him. He suffered the crucifixion. And then, and then while he was up there, he was looking at people that betrayed him. Remember we talked about Peter and Judas? Well, Judas was already dead. He was looking at the people that betrayed him, the people that, that denied him. He looked down at the people that were cursing at him. But he said, he took it, he took it, he still took it. Because he knows that he's the only cure. He's the only remedy for the sin that is going, that has condemned the entire human race. Because of his love for us. God the Father knew what, the God, what his son was going to go through. But they said, let's do it still. Folks. Time will only tell when the world will discover the cure for the coronavirus in this pandemic. Time will tell what truly cost it, who cost it. Time will tell how much damage it has done, how many lives it will take or it has taken. As much as that is all true, God has already revealed to us in His Word that we are all infected by sin, by the sin of Adam and Eve. Unlike the virus, God has already from a long time ago decided that and have provided the cure, which is his son Jesus dying on the cross as payment, as cure for our sins against him. For those of us who have surrendered to him and have accepted him, we have the cure. You, Since you have that cure, you are to share that cure. Imagine if you have the cure for this coronavirus now. And you're keeping it to yourself. That's, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. And you're going to go to jail for it. I hope that you, feel, you have the same urgency. And same compassion in, for this dying world right now. To share your guarantee of heaven. Why you have peace. That even if this coronavirus takes your life. You're okay. Because you, 
the worst thing that can happen to us, death, is the best thing that will happen to us because then we will be with our Lord. So that's, that's our message tonight. I'm hoping that those of you who are watching, and I'm going to offer this. I know this is, this is new, and um, we were making fun of an altar call, doing an altar call last time, but I'm actually going to do it right now virtually. If you have joined us for the first time and you have not accepted Jesus ever in your life and you would like to do that, you would like to have the guarantee of eternal life, you would like to accept the gift that He has given to you, by the shedding of his blood on the cross. Uh, please let us know. Uh, we have uh, our welcome team there. I believe Deborah Reyes is online. Uh, if you see her, please uh, message her. If our deacon Orly Villanueva is there and you're seeing them, you can message them too and tell them that that's what you want to do. Uh, our deacon Richard Fenimore, deacon Edgar Reyes, deacon Nori Quinones, um, deacon John Gosselin. If you see... If we see those folks' names, please reach out to them and tell them that's what you want to do. You see Nancy Lane there, you see Charles Lane there, please message them and say, Hey, I want to accept Jesus. How do I do it? And if you are a part of our family, and just like our, our, our sister Donna, who was going through, she, she had a heart attack last Tuesday, um, and, and we didn't know about it until she told us, if you're going through struggles, anxiety attacks, or... or um, you're just worried about the whole thing please let us know reach out and um and um we're willing to help we just don't know who needs help but uh, next week um obviously we're going to be doing the same thing uh, unless we're told that we are not to gather here anymore uh, me and the boys we're still, are still going to be here and we're going to be broadcasting here god bless all of you and please join me in the word of prayer Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We thank you for taking on the fire, taking the death, the exposure, the pain, so that we can be healed by your blood and have eternal life with you. Forgive us, Lord God, for the times that we make other things and other people more important than you. Forgive us, Lord God, for, for not seeing the gift the real value of the gift that you've given to us. And we thank you for reminding us tonight. I pray that the soul that you are calling to be a part of your family, Lord God, yield tonight. Save them, Father. Rescue them. We ask for your protection from this pandemic, Lord. Help us. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. Make us obedient, Lord God, to you and to the authority that you've given to us. Father, put us under your wings. Wrap your, wrap your mighty arms around us, Lord God. Shield us from this pandemic, Lord. I pray for the medical workers, Lord God, our sisters, our brothers, our friends, our family that are always on the line there. I pray for their protection as well. I pray for healing for those who are sick, who have acquired this all over the world. We pray for their healing. And Lord, we ask for you to save those who are lost. And I pray, Lord God, to comfort those who are troubled. We ask this in your mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen.